Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. We've been uh, in a series called The Family Table and we've been uh, three weeks into that series and this is the finale of that short period of series that we've been doing. And as we've looked about this family table, it's kind of a a way of embracing and understanding that our our vision in itself is one which can be simplified into two things. And one is that we've come to build believers. Those people who have made a decision to follow Jesus and are growing in their faith together. uh, And we want it to be a a, a church that builds people in and disciples people, uh, is the biblical word for that, as they grow in Uh, their relationship with God through Jesus. And the other thing that we want to do is to ensure that we serve those who uh, don't yet know Jesus, those who are looking uh, for a relationship or to understand what Jesus means to them. And as we come around this family table, uh, we said there's three representations of a church because healthy churches uh, have room for everybody at the table. And that's what we looked at the first week. We looked at the first week and said, this table is a table for everybody. All are welcome. And there was a need for us to understand that that we as God's people here gathering around this family table, gathering around this bread of life, need to be a people who in ourselves are warm and welcoming and inviting and looking to be able to embrace one another. For Jesus said, I will be known and you will be known as my disciples because of your love for one another. And then last week, we took a look at these two chairs particularly, and we said these two chairs represent chairs of people who have made their mind up to follow after Jesus. These are the chairs of those who have said yes to Jesus, who have said yes to him being in charge of their life, and, uh, and they have called upon him for the forgiveness of their sin, and they're following Jesus, and as they do so, they, they gather around this family table together, and this chair was the mature believer, and this chair of those who might be new to faith, but they're growing in their faith. But regardless of where we're growing in our faith and we're just new to faith, or whether we're a maturing believer, we say that a real mature believer is someone who pushes back from the table in order to now serve. To be able to push back, and it is that when we push back and we serve others, we're actually experiencing being fed ourselves. And this last chair we've been talking about representing those who don't yet know Jesus. It could be that these are the empty chairs that we have in our auditorium right now, the the chairs of your family and friends and colleagues and neighbors and others who perhaps yet haven't met Jesus or don't know Jesus, or it could be that this is you, you're here today and you're sitting in one of our chairs, but you're sitting in this chair because you're yet to make up your mind whether you wanna follow Jesus. And today, I wanna talk to you. Because as there's room at this family table for everyone and we gather around this family meal, we gather around the bread of life. And and I want you to understand the importance and the significance of it. 
I love food. You can probably see that already. You at home probably can see it even more so. I'd say the camera puts on, you know, another couple of kilos. Well, I don't need any help in doing that, but I love food. I love food of all types. I love uh, food of every cuisine. I'm an international eater. Anyone with me? And Anton, oh, look at all those hands. Amen. Thank you. I, I, you name the ethnicity, I've probably been to the restaurant. I love it. I love Japanese food. I love Italian food. I love Malaysian food. I love Indian food. I just, I just love all different types of food. And, uh, and, and I just, I, I love it. And I remember when we were first living actually in India, before we found our home to live in, we were staying in a guest house and they had a buffet style uh, arrangement for dinner. And I remember the first couple of weeks staying there, every night something new would pop out onto the buffet and the people serving you there. And I, w- I would say, oh, what's, what is it? What's this? They, they knew I was just asking the question. I, I hadn't seen it before and they would gladly tell me oh, what it was and I would get excited and I would try some because I'll just try anything. And they'll put it before me and, and, and that's great. I have a tip for you though that if you are yet to find your, your partner in life, if you are maybe in the dating scene and you're about to meet somebody, uh, Never say when they give you a meal, what is it? That's, it's okay if you're in a foreign country and you're just exploring and you're trying, they look at you and they say, you have no idea. But that is not a great question to ask of your beloved. Uh, what is it? You might say other things like, mmm, that smells delicious. What ingredients did you use? Or like your kid's artwork, you say, oh, wow, that is interesting. You don't say, what is it? That's just danger territory, okay? We don't say, what is it? You serve a meal to a kid. Every kid, if they see a new meal, I just say, what is it? Because they're exploring, right? They're they're understanding. And and maybe if you're in this chair and you've heard us come and we're talking about this bread of life and, and you say, well, what is it? What is it? You say, it's bread, Einstein. It's just bread. No, it's not. It's way more than that. It's way more than that. It's bread from heaven. You see, there are two incidences in the Bible where where God has sent bread from heaven. And the first is in the Old Testament. The children of Israel, they're in slavery in Egypt. Uh, you might have heard the story, you might have seen the movie, you, you might have, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, been engaged, you might have even read the story out of the scriptures uh, at this understanding of what this story was like for these children of Israel who were captured in slavery in Egypt. God told Moses in the releasing of the people from slavery that there was going to be, after all of these plagues and the heart and heart of the Pharaoh of Egypt, that there was going to come a point in time where the angel of death was going to pass over and kill every firstborn. And God said to Moses, you need to tell the people to take an unblemished lamb and you need to sacrifice that lamb. You need to take some of the blood. Sounds a bit gory for today, doesn't it? And you need to just put that over the threshold. You need to put it over the door frame. And when you put that over the door frame of of your house, the angel of death will pass over 
And that's exactly what happened. The angel of death came, did his deal, and, 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 and it got to the point when the Pharaoh said, go, I release you. Children of God, you can go and have your way. And they did. They, they left Egypt and they were on the run from their former captives. And, and as they were on the run, as they were uh, running away and they go through that Red Sea moment where it parts and then the Egyptian army gets swallowed up by the water and they make it to the other side. And they had like this GPS system they, of following God. God by, by night would put this pillar of fire and then there would be a cloud by day and they would walk after where the Lord was and God dwelt amongst his people and led them, but it didn't take a long time until a lot of the people were just going like, oh, we're stuck in this desert. I'd prefer to be back in Egypt. I'll eat the leeks, I'll eat the onions, I'll eat, I'd like the food from back here because what, what have we got out here, Moses? We're walking, we're running out of the rations that we've taken with us and now you're leading us on our way out here And it all seems very, very dire. And God did something that night that was truly miraculous. God rained bread out of heaven and it fell during the darkness. And when the children of Israel got up and when they walked out of their tents, here's what happened. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 16. It says, when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Do you know what it was? It was manna. Manna from heaven. Bread from heaven. That's what it was. Do you know what the Hebrew word for manna is? It's manna. The word is broken down in, and it means this. It means, what is it? That's actually the truth. It means, what is it? They looked at this stuff that had fallen in darkness, and when they got up in the morning, the instruction from God was this. You may take whatever you need to supply you and your family for the day. Trust me for the next day and I'll rain manna from heaven down again for you. But some of the people there, of course, like, what? There's a lot here. And so they'd scoop up a bit more than they really needed for the, for the day and they tried to make it last for a couple of days and, and it got all stinky and the maggots got into it and it just went off. It was God's way of saying, I'm going to be the bread that you need to survive and I'm going to provide it out of the darkness so that you have it in the morning and it's going to be me you rely on every day for fresh bread, fresh manna from heaven. And for 40 years, God changed the menu up a little bit and gave quail as well. They we went for quail and manna, and that was it, 40 years. It was enough for them to survive on. The second reference of bread from heaven is in the New Testament. If you have a Bible with you, or we're going to pop the the things up on the screen, the Bible verses up on the screen. But if you have your Bible there, we're going to stick for the rest of the time and move from Exodus, and we're going to jump over to John chapter 6. Jesus was on a roll. He'd just done the Hebrew happy meal miracle. 
thousands, 5,000 men, but probably more like maybe 10, 15,000 men, women, and children are following after Jesus, and it's going dark. And Jesus does that famous miracle that even if you're not familiar with church, you'd probably have heard about it, where he feeds these 5,000 people with some couple of fish and loaves of bread. And not only just feeds them, he feeds them so well that they have everything that they need with these five small barley loaves and two fish, and they still collect over 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Amazing. And the people were talking and they're, they're saying, hey, this guy is the real deal. This Jesus, he must be the real deal. No one's done miracles like this before. This is a sign that he is going to be our king. Now, you've got to remember that they're under Roman oppression. And so they're saying, okay, we're, 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 we're under almost, almost like we're in slavery again. And we need a king, and we're going to take a king. And if he can do this, he can do anything. And we want to take him, and, and by force, we want to make him our king. And Jesus heard about this, and he's hearing the rumors of this, and he, he runs away. He, he goes up into the hillside. He sneaks away from the people. There's just too much going on right in that moment. And the disciples, well, they get into their boat and they start heading back over to the other side. And Jesus says, I'll meet you later on. Well, the disciples do take off and <laughs> Jesus catches them a few hours later when they're straining at the oars as they're trying to head across the sea over towards Capernaum. And, and Jesus walked on the water. And they think a ghost has appeared and they look at him and they say, oh, you're freaking out that Jesus is there. And, and he hops in the boat with them and immediately they're on the other side. And this crowd who had eaten their fill the night before, they, they get up in the morning and, and they go like, where's Jesus gone? We're ready for another Happy Meal. It's breakfast and we're hungry. Jesus, where is he? Anyone seen Jesus? And all of a sudden, some other boats come and they, they kind of take those and they, they, they realize he's gone to the other side. And so they, they hire these boats, they jump in the other fishing boats and they head back over to the other side and that's where they catch up with Jesus. And when the crowd arrives on the other side of the lake to find Jesus, they ask him a question. John chapter six, verse 25. Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, now this is an interesting answer to the question. I'll tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Oh, that's great, Jesus. That's, that's amazing. That's really, really, really good. That's typical Jesus. He's giving us one of those messages again that we don't understand. But where's the food? Where's the food? Right, right? They've, just, they've had their fill. They're still hungry. They're still looking for food. And he's not talking about food. They don't understand the real deal. He takes it deeper and he's talking about a spiritual hunger. He's talking about a soul hunger. He's talking about a deep inner hunger that he knows every person has. 
And in verse 27, let me read it in a slightly different version to the one I read out to you. In verse 27, and it reads, do not work for the food that spoils, for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. There's a lot in that verse. The number one title that Jesus gives himself is the Son of Man throughout Scripture. That's what he calls himself. This idea that we celebrate at at Christmas, that the coming of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God comes as man, fully God, fully man. And Jesus said that because as God, he becomes this man and he knows that they need more than just the food they're looking for. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We don't serve a removed and distant savior. We serve someone who has been there and done that. And when the listeners heard Christ make his statement, they got all hung up on this word work. Work, we have to work for it. I want to work for it. I've got to work for it because that's what religious people think. They think they have to work for this eternal life that Jesus is trying to explain to them and their mind is now stuck somewhere in between. You were talking about food and now you're not talking about food. You're talking about a different type of food. Now we have to work for it. And so they ask this question. They say, what must we do to do the works God requires. They're still thinking about their wants. They're still thinking about their desires. They're still thinking about this, this physical food, not a spiritual food. And Jesus goes just that little bit deeper in verse 29. He answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. Believe in the one. Jesus is talking about God. The the people were like, what, God sent you? And all we have to do is believe. There's nothing we can do to earn this. You mean we just actually have to, to let it be your way? We can't get baptized, that's not gonna make the big difference. We can't you know, work hard enough for it, give enough for it. You mean it's not something I do, it's not something I work for? In other parts of the Bible, this becomes really clear a couple of centuries on from when Jesus is making these statements, when authors like Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, says, we are not saved by works. Let me talk to these people just for a moment again, who are in this chair. This chair of deciding and wondering, really, this bread of life, is it what you really say it is? Is this 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 idea that we can come and and I can find my spiritual hunger, the the hunger that leans deep within me? I I can find its solution to that hunger in Jesus? See, we can all intellectually agree, maybe even, that we could believe in Jesus. 
And you might pick it up and you might think, oh, I, I, I believe in the bread. That looks like bread to me. I can see it sitting there. That's, that's bread. You might pick a little bit off. You might even have a nibble. You might pick it up and you might smell it and you say, it smells like bread. It looks like bread. It even, I, I had a little nibble. It tastes like bread. I believe in the bread. I believe. I believe it's bread. But belief in the biblical meaning is totally different to how we might say, oh, I believe in it because I've seen it. We we say seeing is believing. We have that little phrase, but this is not the sort of belief that, that Jesus is talking about in this passage when he's saying you need to believe in God and you need to believe in me, the one in whom he has sent He's talking again that I am the bread of life. What do you do with bread? Well, I don't know about you, but I, I, I go up and down and in and out quite literally around bread. I have a nose for carbohydrates. Every wretched diet I've been on says you need to cut down on these delicious suckers. I can tell you what I do with bread. I consume it. I just, I love the aroma of it. I, 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 I love the way it looks, it presents, but I, I don't just, I, I consume it. I take it in. And Jesus is saying that like bread and like digestion, we need believing is allowing it to become part of who we are. We must do that with him, the bread of life. In the Gospel of John that we're reading out of today in John, Jesus has a whole bunch of I am statements. He says, I am the light of the world. We're going to celebrate that at Christmas. I am the light of the world. Truth illuminates our path. He says, I am the gate, not a gate. He says, I am the gate. Later on, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except through this gate. I am the gate. I am the light. I am the way. I am the truth. He says, I am the vine where the branches connect into so that they might bear fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. He then says, I am the bread of life. I am this bread of life. I am the source. I am the the very daily need that is going to satisfy you and keep you going. Jesus clearly teaches that a relationship with God comes through him. There is no other way. He is the means by which we come to the Father in heaven. The truth is him. The source of life is in him. Now, Jesus teaches in John chapter 6 that he is like this new manna. An eternal manna that once eaten provides life for eternity. Look at what it says in John chapter 6, verses 30 to 31. And so they asked him, these who, who had followed after him there on the other side of the lake, they've taken their boats, they're asking for another happy meal. They get there and, and he talks these in riddles and he says this, and they ask him, what sign will you then give that we may see it and believe you? Oh my goodness. 24 hours earlier, 
He does such a radical sign of feeding people, thousands of people with five small barley loaves and two fish that they're wanting by force to make him their king because they've never seen anything like this before. When he digs a little deeper and starts to touch on their heart, starts to touch into the influences, all the other things they've tried that's not satisfied them, and he fronts up to say, believe in me, the one whom the Father has sent, you'll be satisfied. I, it's me that you'll find eternal life. They're like, well, what sort of sign are you going to show us now? <laughs> what will you do? You're the bread of life? Well, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So the audience is saying, okay, all right, okay. You're saying you're the Messiah. You're the Christ the sent one, who's going to save us from this Roman oppression. And just like Moses delivered the people of God from Egyptian slavery and was the one that caused manna to drop from heaven, their belief in this, that the Messiah would duplicate the miracles of Moses. They're saying, we'll do the same sort of stuff. See, his followers were saying, we've seen the miracle yesterday. You fed thousands from nothing, and now we're waiting for more just like manna. Jesus, show us a sign. We'll believe you. You just need to show us another sign. Can you, can you get it back up? Show, show, show us the bread. Show me the money. I'm hungry. My stomach's growling. And they didn't get it. So he continues to explain. And Jesus says to them, verse 32, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. We never have to do a thing, no more baking. Just like our ancestors, would, would, would you do that? And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here's this word, believe again. When we surrender all our desires, when we surrender all our plans, when we surrender our strengths, our weaknesses, our everything to Jesus, that's how we eat of the bread of life. Now go back again, don't forget the Moses, don't forget the Old Testament, don't forget the manna that rained down in the darkness and was there in the morning's light when they awake. Don't forget the foreshadowing of the lamb, this lamb that's blood was spilt and, and blood was upon the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over and that they would be saved. Don't forget all of these things. Because the real bondage wasn't Egypt and wasn't Rome. The real bondage was inside of them. There's a spiritual bondage. And Jesus is our deliverer. 
And if we feed on the bread of life, we can be set free, made whole from this stranglehold of sin, of constant wrong decision, of putting ourselves in the driving seat of our life instead of the one who comes to give us life. And he says you can be set free, you can be made whole from this stranglehold of sin. Jesus is the Lamb of God. When John, his cousin, saw him before Jesus was baptized, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now Jesus says, here I am, I'm the bread of life. It's his shed blood, not on the doorpost, but on that cross that enters over the door of here that allows us to be saved. something totally outside of us, something we can't earn, something we can't work for, something that's been done for us. He gave his body as a living sacrifice so we could be free. Manna came down out of darkness because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. (laughs) Manna in the darkness, this bread of life in the darkness of all that surrounds us. And he entered the world as light, the gate, the way, the truth, the life, the source, this bread. And he says in verse 44 of John chapter 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. And you might today just be saying, why am I here? Why do I keep coming around this family table? What is it? And I'd like to suggest that maybe it's the aroma of the bread. (laughs) It might look like community. It might look like you feel like you belong here. The aroma might be that there's something good for your kids here. The aroma might be that when they teach this stuff, it kind of makes sense to me. The aroma might be that, that when you're prayed for, you've seen God do things in and through your life. Don't just smell it. Don't just say, oh yeah, I believe it, that's bread. (laughs) Don't just say, I believe Jesus. If we're gonna truly believe him in a biblical sense, we've gotta take of him, we've gotta eat of him. We need to surrender all those other places and things that we've been looking and longing for out of the rest of life to fill the void that only the bread of life can fulfill. Do you know why you're here? See, a lot of us have manner mentality. If I make this amount of money, that'll do it. Well, that's not going to be the case. The maggots are already into that stuff. Well, if I can marry this person, and well, that's not going to do it. If I get this job or I can drive there, fly here, do that thing, live here and live that place, that's not going to do it. You know it's not working. It's the bread of life you're looking for. You're looking for the bread, and you might not have even realized it just yet, but it's really the bread of life that you've been longing for, looking for. It's the aroma of Jesus that you've been longing to fill your deep satisfaction in in the deepest place of your heart. I, Jesus says in verse 51, am the living bread that came down from heaven. Now he makes it real clear. 
You know, there was this manna that kept you alive, your ancestors alive in the desert. It wasn't Moses who gave it. I know he raised up the staff. I know he did all that stuff, but it was the power of God who gave the, the bread during the night and the darkness so they could walk every day in following after me, their Father in heaven. And Jesus says, now this is me. I am that living bread that came from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And I imagine there's a few just going, oh now, this is creepy. (laughs) It was okay that you're talking about you being a man. Now we've got to eat you. Zombie apocalypse is going through the minds of some of these people. Maybe it is you're in this chair. Maybe it's in, you're in this chair and you've been searching for a real long time. And those answers and that meaning and that purpose, you're trying to decide what's true and I just want to tell you, you need Jesus today. You need today to just tell God that something he already knows, that you're a sinner who needs saving and I need help, Jesus. I need to take of that bread of life. I need to eat. I need to digest of Jesus. I need to surrender all. And Jesus is not going to take the bread and try to shove it in. He can't force you to eat of him. He invites you to come. It's your prerogative. It's your call. And whether you're in this chair and that makes sense to you or whether maybe you're in these chairs and that makes sense to you because sometimes we come here and we're not really hungry. Sometimes we come and we say, I've had my fill. Sometimes we come and we expect to be force fed. Remember the eye chair? Come hungry for the bread of life, the one that can sustain, the one that that gives us real life. And I want to give you that opportunity now, maybe for the very first time, to commit your life to Jesus. Now that you've understood that He is this bread of life, that's why we gather around this family table. And I want to pray for you. Maybe just to free you from the distractions that are around, maybe just. You can close your eyes now. And you can say these words in your own heart, maybe put them on your lips. God, I need to eat of the bread of life. I've been trying to do things my own way and I've realized I'm still hungry. I realize that I've sinned against you. I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me, Jesus. I give you my dreams, my ambitions, my mind, my body, my relationships, my all, everything, Jesus, I give to you. You are the source of life that will satisfy my hunger. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you said that, that prayer, there's not, a, there's not a better decision that you could ever make in life. This place is full of people who have made that decision and it will settle you exactly the same thing. And I want you, if you made that decision today, when we, when we have prayer at the end of the service, I want you to make a beeline down the front to come and talk to somebody and let them know, I prayed that prayer with John today.
and we can help you on your way. We can encourage you. We can answer some questions. We can help you as you grow. But maybe it is that I've been talking and I have made it clear that I've been talking to these things, but you sit in either of these chairs, the new to faith chair and, and growing, or maybe the mature chair, and, and it's been a good reminder of what the bread of life is and a little bit of a history lesson on the way through. But do you have a man of mentality? Maybe the bread's gone stale. Maybe it's sat out there and you haven't eaten it for a while. Maybe you've smelt it. Maybe you've recognized it and you believed it as bread. But maybe again today you need to come and feed. Feed on the bread of life. We talked about being not diet-oriented Christians last week where we just sit in an eye chair and be fed the whole time, but that we push back from the table and we serve, and as we do so, we're consuming bread and we're feeling full and alive because we're made in his image to do these things. And we become these diet and exercise Christians. Maybe it's time that if we're in these chairs, we make the invitation to the people who are in this chair in our lives, who are not sitting with you this morning. You have the perfect opportunity in the next number of weeks as we come to celebrate Christmas to bring people with you so they might hear the good news. It might be a sporting club friend. It might be a, uh, you know, someone you're connected to, a school parent. It might be your literal neighbor. Who are you reaching out to? Who are you inviting to come and taste of the bread of life? Because the Bible constantly talks about tables that set before God, this idea of a banquet. And the best banquet of all is saved up for all eternity. And it tells us in Revelation 19:9, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. Remember the lamb is Jesus? This is Bible language for sitting down for all eternity around a huge family table and dine with God. And my mind just explodes when I try to imagine a wedding supper of the Lamb, that divine banquet when we get to sit with the King of Kings and eat together. I don't know about you, do you like going to weddings? I get to go to a few, I love it, I, I feel so... You know, if, someone, if I get invited along to the reception, particularly if it's someone you really know well, you've seen the kids grow up even, it's just such a special, special thing, to an honor to attend, and, and there's so much joy as the couple share their first meal together. And who is it that God wants to have at his wedding banquet, at his table, that you're connected to? Who is it that, that you could invite so that for all eternity, they could spend celebrating with God around his banquet. What are you going to do about that? Pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you something special. Because here, as we come around this table, we do so this morning to take again and to remind ourselves. I hope you all received a little communion packet on the way in. 
And if you're already in these chairs, this is a, an opportunity to remind yourself again to come and eat. Come and take your fill. Don't let the bread stay stale. Don't just smell it. Come and take of it. Digest. And maybe as we literally digest that wafer and take that juice on board, we just picture and we imagine ourselves eating of the goodness of God. Reminding ourselves that this is how we're saved, by nothing that we could do or have done, but purely because of what Jesus has done for us. And we are thankful again in our hearts all over again for this wonder. Maybe you're in this chair and maybe you said that prayer of me today and you can come and take that communion and be the most meaningful thing you've ever done because now you're putting an action to an expression that was made in your heart. This bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, Jesus said. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. Eternal life in Jesus. And Jesus took two very common elements. He took bread and he took wine. And we receive Him just like we receive food and drink. We consume Him. Because Jesus goes on to say this, He says, this bread is my flesh and this wine is my blood. So go ahead and eat my flesh and drink my blood. He was talking figuratively. He was saying this is symbolic. This was a foreshadowing of what He was about to do when He went to the cross. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So you may have your little communion set there with you and if you just peel off that, that top part, if you're at home with us and you're taking communion right now, you've probably got a better deal than what we've got here. But remember, it's symbolic. You could be taking anything right now and just understanding that this is what Jesus has done for us. So let's take the wafer, let's take the bread and let's remind ourselves that He is the bread of life from heaven. And in the same way, After supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Lord Jesus, thank you. You didn't stay in heaven. Thank you that you came into the darkness as the light, as the way, as the truth, as the life, as the gate, as this bread of life. Thank you for the free gift that we cannot earn of your grace, your unmerited favour and blessing upon us. 
for your empowering presence. Jesus, we thank you. For the forgiveness of our sins, thank you. We again come to consume, to eat, to a digest of you again. It's in you we find life and life to the full, life in abundance. And we pray, Lord God, that you would again sustain and feed your people, not just for eternity, but for now, for this moment, for this season, this opportunity that we have before us to reach out to others, remind us again of how good it is to be called your sons and daughters, to be a part of your family around this family table and work a spirit of generosity and compassion and mercy and put a a fire in our hearts, Lord God, to be a people who would wanna tell everyone about how special Christmas is because of Jesus because of what it really means. And that we'd celebrate the invitation of those who don't yet know you to come and find out more about you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, Contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.